Oh, before I forget, this is totally off topic, but yes. I have to remember yes. the other day when I told you about that awful play I was in called Deadwood Dick and I couldn't remember the oh, one yes, character's yes, yes. name. We had a theater reunion the other night because my friend Rachel's in town. Sure. And from, from Germany. Germany, yes. And um, the character I couldn't remember was Chet Pussy. <laughs> That's not even a... <laughs> right? But the best thing about this play, which is I hate to see... <laughs> it's it's just there's no it's just but here's what makes it so fascinating okay i want to hear what you think you may what you think makes okay the novels of which the play was formed from were written between 1877 and 1897 and then it became a play um i think in the eight hundreds let's see hold on i'm looking at it i don't but regardless it was it, it it's not of recent years right but that that term and and that is, is about that era okay yes which i again i'm see. sorry that i know this um but it's it's something that actually dickens used in a couple of his novels in the same reference with which it would be made today what do you know well there you go so it does make sense then but yeah it's a i am not a fan of said play but many people Mm. do love it um right yeah well heidi will you please welcome (laughs) our special guest the author (laughs) he's dead ken Ken is here to talk to us and the author ken is making a return performance to connect us since you won't let us have a psychic we've got to go with our paranormal investigator this is why with your hosts heidi hedquist and luke poling what does a professional bridesmaid offer that for us who are used to the non-professional does not offer? <laughs> so a professional bridesmaid offers a level of wedding expertise that your casual bridesmaid might not have um, simply because of the level of experience um, when it comes to dealing with weddings that I have um, as a bridesmaid and in a variety of other capacities. Basically, any role that you can play in a wedding, I have played. Um, I have never been a ring bearer, much to my dismay, but there's still time. There's still time. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. You know, I'm, I'm full of uh, hopes and dreams. Um, so that's so that's good. Beyond just, you know, being an experienced wedding person, um, I actually have a professional events background. Um, in college, I ran an events venue um, and worked as an events manager and events coordinator there. My family um, owns two wedding venues, and I've, I've basically been immersed in the wedding industry uh, for my entire adult life. And I actually named the business as kind of a joke um, because <laughs> all of my friends were getting married, still are, and they kept asking me to be a bridesmaid and they still are. And uh, finally someone said, well, look, why don't you just go and monetize this Caroline? And I said, well, okay, I guess. And I popped up a website and lo and behold, there's a market for it. Um, And so what I do primarily as a professional bridesmaid is 
very close to being a wedding coordinator. Um, I think wedding manager is a far more accurate term because coordinator implies that, you know, you're like putting napkins down, whereas wedding right. manager has a much more um, robust uh, sense to it. Um, you know, and I, and I do not identify as a wedding planner because I frankly, I just do not care about the color of your napkins. If you are passionate about the color of your napkins, I will make sure that the shade of peach is exactly what you wanted it to be. And I will go make sure that it is on the table where it should be on the day of your wedding. But I have no interest in choosing a shade of peach for you. Um, What I am really interested in doing is helping people navigate the emotional and logistical quagmire that comes with the wedding planning process and the wedding day itself. And kind of what I specialize in um, is is navigating those tough family situations. So I've had brides come to me and say, you've got to keep my mother-in-law on the other side of the building from me, or this is going to be terrible. And I'll be like, okay, absolutely. And then I might meet the mother-in-law and I say, oh, oh, I see why. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> or I might meet the mother-in-law and be like, all right, that's, this is just what the bride needs. Okay. Um, or, you know, any, and then when it comes to the, um, the organizational side of preparing for a wedding, there are so many tiny details that need to be put into a timeline, things that you don't think about. Um, I've told people that the number one thing that my clients say to me when they meet is, oh, I hadn't thought about that. Um, and, and it's true. There are all of these tiny little minuscule details like, Okay, so for example, if you have a wedding where there's going to be a chuppah, okay, who's setting it up? When? What time? What materials do they need? Who is bringing those materials? You know, um, if it's not a professional company that you've contracted with, which family member is in charge for? So when does that plane land that is getting them to the location where you need to be for this wedding? Where are the components of the chuppah coming from? Where are all of these different pieces coming from to all come together at this precise moment in time so that everything is where it should be? Everyone is where they should be, and everything goes off without a hitch. Um, it's much like stage managing a large stage production. Uh, events are very much in line with theater in a lot of ways. And um, so that's kind of a big part of what I do as a professional bridesmaid um, is just bring a very high level of experience to stuff that you might want a really good friend to help you with. And then do you actually go through the act of walking down the aisle, participating in the bachelorette party, all those other elements as well? Sometimes. Sometimes I absolutely can. Um, for for the most part, um, I have primarily been um, kind of that day of coordinator and kind of like the unseen bridesmaid. Like I, I dress to blend in with the wedding guests for the most part. Um, she who must not be named. Right. <laughs> Never. <laughs> The wedding party definitely knows my name. I, I assert my dominance early and often uh, to make it clear who's going to be in charge of this show. Um, you know, in a in a friendly way, of course, unless of course. we have issues, and then I it's handled. Um, one right. somebody once referred to me as the Olivia Pope of weddings. Um, you know, like okay. on, on Scandal, she's a professional fixer. Yeah, and right. and her, you know, is it's handled. Right. And that's exactly it. When it comes to weddings, I've got it handled. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've had weddings that I've been in and that I've also managed and I've done the bridesmaids dress and I've worn the right shoes and I've walked down the aisle and then I've told everybody else when they need to walk down the aisle. And 
I've scampered out before the ceremony to make sure everything is, once I have my hair and makeup on and my dress on, I'll go out and check and make sure that, you know, everything is where it should be. And, um, you know, the flower petals are scattered just so, and then I'll scamper back up and get in line with the other bridesmaids. Um, but for the most part, it's, it's primarily that wedding management piece because a lot of couples just want someone who's in their corner, who can be their advocate, who is prioritizing what they want prioritized. Um, whether that's decorations, whether that's photography, whether that's keeping great aunt Irma away from grandma Jane, you know, (laughs) there are any number of things, um, that you might task a specific friend with at your wedding. Um, but I come in as a professional experienced, highly competent person who is, uh, skilled at dealing with these challenges. So and they don't have to worry about pulling you off the dance floor oh, in the exactly. middle of bust a move. Exactly. If there's now, gotcha. Will I bust a move if the opportunity presents itself? Absolutely. Um, well, it's, but it's young MC, it, how do right. you not? Exactly, <laughs> and, and it's also helpful, you know, to have someone with a little bit of emotional distance, right? Like, let's say mm. you call in your best friend from college to help you with the coordination piece. Well, your best friend from college probably has friends who are attending the wedding. They're really emotionally invested in you and your relationship. They probably know your parents and your siblings and they're meeting and greeting and hugging everybody, which is wonderful and exactly what a wedding is all about. And that's why your best friend from college should be allowed to experience the wedding as a guest rather than having the additional stress of being responsible for the dove release or whatever it is. So have you ever had... A, a best friend from college or a mother or a sister or anyone else who has basically said, Oh no, 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 step back, bitch. This is my territory. <laughs> I've been through thick and thin every ex-boyfriend she ever had all the puking after bar nights out. Don't you dare think that you can take um, this over. Heidi, are you speaking? From no, experience? I've been, uh, well, maybe no. I've been more on Caroline's yeah. <laughs> side as opposed to the other side. So maybe, yes, I've been the victim of yeah. such, you know, peeing on the territory. <laughs> I um, never. Mystically, I yes. hope. Um, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I have never experienced uh, that kind of territorial approach so blatantly, but I have definitely seen it. And um, it is challenging. I, there was one example when um, the sister of the bride, who was also the maid of honor, you know, wanted to make sure that she was the one who was zipping the bride into the dress, which I 100% am in favor of her photos, but she was literally zipping her incorrectly. Like oh, no. she had attached the zipper wrong and had attached the buttons. Uh, and so I just kind of scooted in and fixed it and then ducked out of the photo really quickly. And she wasn't happy with me, but I don't care because I'm not there to take care of the bridesmaids unless the couple asks me to. I'm not there to pet and stroke the ego of the parents of the groom unless the couple asks me to. I am there to advocate for the bride and groom and to make sure that their dress is zipped correctly or that their suit is buttoned or whatever they want um, is, is taken care of, or, you know, maybe it's a slightly more unorthodox wedding. You know, we are venturing into the wonderful, wonderful world 
of a truly diverse wedding industry for the first time, um, thanks to marriage equality. Thank goodness. Um, and and we are seeing so many traditions that are getting bucked and, and so many, you know, you'll have bridesmen and grooms people and, and all of these different things. And one of my favorite things to do is to kind of like get to shut down any drama or unpleasantness from maybe some more closed-minded guests, some more closed-minded uh, people who are involved when it comes to embracing um, the diversity that's a part of the couple's life who's getting married. How do you do that? Because I'm thinking just not even for myself, not even in a wedding situation, that would be very helpful information <laughs> to have. Well, step one is you smile real big and you put a smile yeah. in your voice. Right. So, <laughs> you channel your inner designing woman character and you smile and you're so charming and you grab her by the elbow and drag her out if you have to. Um, but you're so nice about it and so friendly. And I genuinely mean it. For the most part, when people are being territorial, it's because their feelings are hurt. When people are being dramatic, it's because they're uncomfortable or they feel unsafe or, you know, they feel threatened in some way, like a snake or a turtle retracting into its shell or trying to bite you. And and so I, I try and diffuse the situation by assuming that they have good intentions for the most part and then just smiling and extracting whoever is causing the problem, and then going back and cleaning up whatever mess might be left behind. <laughs> Sometimes there's wine involved. There's often wine involved. There, there's yeah, probably yeah, often wine assume. involved, <laughs> I would imagine. <laughs> Do you bring your own club soda? Uh, oh, yes, yeah. Do I you mean, clean we, that up? Uh, I can. I mean, if necessary. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> what percentage of the job is just holding the bride or groom by the shoulders and just saying, be cool, okay? Honestly, not that much. Um, for the most part, the couples I work with are very excited to get married and they have reached a point in their planning process where they are willing to turn it over to someone else and just relax and enjoy the experience. Um, it usually hits a fever pitch where that is necessary. I would say the week of the wedding, um, but about three or four days before the wedding. So so by the time you get to the day of the rehearsal, the day of the wedding, there's nothing you can do about anything, right? You just accept that what is will be. It's very zen. Um, but like three to four days before the wedding, it, that is when people start to lose it a little bit um, because all of the pressure is happening and all of the relatives are starting to arrive and great grandma Shirley is asking why you're not wearing a white dress. And, you know, there's damn you, Shirley. The writing <laughs> oh, I shouldn't be Shirley. That's actually my future grandmother-in-law's name. And she's lovely. Uh -oh. She's truly lovely. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> that, that emotional fever pitch when it comes to the freakouts that stem from a place of a need for control usually happen about three or four days out. And, and the best thing that I have found is to just remain calm and you talk in a very calm voice like you would with a dog who is considering attacking you. And you just use a very soothing voice and you address each concern that a particular person might have in a very calm way because they are logical, sane, rational human beings who are in the midst of an incredibly intense emotional moment that is like intrinsically fraught with change and anxiety. 
right? That's the thing about weddings. They're these huge liminal experiences where you are saying that your identity in society is going to be completely different from the moment you walk down that aisle and the moment you walk back down it, there's been an experience that has fundamentally changed your identity and who you are. Um, and, and whether or not people are willing to acknowledge that to themselves or to other people, um, that's, that's all of the baggage and the weight that comes with this experience. And, um, and I, I try to be cognizant of that. And that helps me use that very calm, soothing voice that just keeps everything fine. <laughs> Have you ever found a situation where it just was irreparable, where they just weren't going to make it? You know, I'm trying to think. I've had, I've worked with couples where I've thought to myself, hmm, I don't know that <laughs> this is the best choice you could be making in this moment, but let's see how this goes. I've never worked with a couple. If I, if I had a couple who were getting married, who I thought, were in a toxic or abusive relationship and I did not feel like I morally could endorse their union, I would not work with them. Um, I, I screen all of my couples. I basically, you know, I, I schedule phone conversations and video chats with every single couple or an in-person meeting. I schedule a, a very intense conversation with all of them before I even give them a quote in large part because when you're involved in such an intimate part of someone's life, you need to make sure that you can get along with those people and that sure. they will get along with you. Um, so I've never really worked with a couple where I was like, oh, no, this is a dumpster fire. Um, <laughs> there, there have been moments that have given me pause along the way. Um, but I will say I have cried happy tears during every single ceremony I have ever been present for. I am such a sap. I am such a complete sap. <laughs> How long before the wedding do you start working with the couple? This seems like an intensive process. It can be. So it varies depending on the couple. So there are some folks who I start working with a year or more out um, and I might help them pick their vendors. I might help them decide on a date and choose a venue and choose a photographer. Um, I might help them decide whether or not they want to have a cake, decide who their bridesmaids are going to be, et cetera, et cetera. Um, or I might get an email from a couple uh, four or five weeks before their wedding saying, hey, any chance you're free on this date? Um, we just realized we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> um, so it really it totally depends. My personal preference, I like a sweet spot of about six months to start working with a couple. Because, you know, when we think about day of coordination, it's like, oh, they just drop in for the day of. No, there are literally weeks of phone calls to all of the vendors to get everybody on the same page. There are weeks and weeks of conversations about the logistics of every tiny detail. Where will the bouquets be dropped off? Who is dropping them off? Who is picking them up? Where do they need to go? How many boutonnieres are there? Are there corsages? Where should they go? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. For every single component of the wedding, there are at least 10 questions that have to be asked. So I like to have a good half a year, quarter of a year at least, um, in a perfect world to work with the couple getting married um, and to really get a sense of what their priorities are and how logistically messy their wedding is going to be. Speaking of sort of the, the traditions that are getting bucked and things of that nature, 
What is the most unusual theme you've ever been part of? For example, we've been trying like crazy to get the vampire wedding people to talk to us. Oh, well, man, I wish. Do you know any vampires? Um, you know, I'm, I, I faint at the sight of blood. So I feel like if I know any vampires, they are keeping that very secret from me. Um, <laughs> they are intentionally enough. not moving me in. They're very, very <laughs> kind vampires to be so considerate of your, <laughs> your disdain oh, yeah. for blood. Doubt. I, I, I mean, I've seen Hotel Transylvania. I know that vampires <laughs> can be friendly. Um, I, you know, I'm trying to think. I, I haven't had any couples with like truly insane themes like i i oh man i would love i would love to get a call from uh or an email from folks who are doing like a a really intense oh my gosh you know what i would love i would love a renaissance themed wedding right i want to deal with horses and jousting and those giant turkey legs if you want to get married at a ren fair you should call me because i am into it um any kind of historical reenactment wedding i would be down for you know Um, We've got some historical reenactment friends. We might be able to hook you up. Yeah, I'm just saying, if you you know someone, I would put them in touch because that would be a blast and a half. Um, I I haven't had any really out there clients in that sense. I've had religiously complicated weddings, um, which have, I mean, frankly, religiously complicated weddings are kind of my jam. Um, Right. and, And well, one wedding, her mom was a protestant minister who is also a professional uh uh, she so the bride's mom was a protestant minister who was a professor at a very prominent theological seminary and the groom uh was from a very jewish family and his sister was actually a rabbi and the couple neither of them were converting to the other religion. They were both religious people of faith and they were maintaining their individual religious identities. Neither was converting. And so they had all of the elements of a traditional Jewish wedding ceremony and all of the elements of a traditional Christian Protestant ceremony in one. And it was a long ceremony and it was beautiful and it was super intense. And I was tempted to hand out Gatorade afterward. Like it was... (laughs) It was uh, it was very intense. So, oh. and but I'm trying to think of like other really wild theme weddings that I would love to. Well, next year, you know, is 2020. Halloween falls on a Saturday, so prepare yourselves. Yes, for social media to explode with Halloween 2020. I'm just predicting the. So we're gonna right now. <laughs> so you're not going to be able to, like walk out of your house without tripping over a vampire right. oh yeah absolutely you're gonna have basically oh man i hope somebody does like a vampires and werewolves themed wedding you know make it oh. make it all highlight mm. that'd be awesome yeah they'd play that <laughs> what, thousand year song for sure which is already super oh, overplayed yeah. at weddings <laughs> and tell me about it and it's also like kind of a creepy song i right. find a lot of the like symbolism and traditions which are not actually traditions we've just kind of decided they're traditions associated with weddings to be really bizarre and creepy um you know like the whole veil thing and which i i love i actually i'm wearing a veil but not covering my face but whatever right now yeah right now (laughs) that is why i was glad that this was uh an interview for a podcast and not a tv show because i i prefer to drape myself in gauze at all times 
Perfect. Right. Excellent. Gauze and, yeah. She just lives in a world of gauze and tool. Why do you think people <laughs> pick? I'm sorry, go ahead. People <laughs> along those lines, I've have found that there are an extraordinary amount of songs that are chosen that really are like, you really think the couple has never listened to the lyrics. Like they're either about a stalker, like every breath you take or the Titanic (laughs) theme where somebody's going to die. I mean, why do you think as much time and effort that people put into this, why do you think they miss the boat sometimes on this stuff? (laughs) I think it's because those particular songs have a specific meaning for them and they are ignoring the broader cultural context or the meaning of the lyrics Um, when they're, you know, like maybe, you know, they had their first date to a showing of Titanic. So they're going to walk down the aisle to the penny whistle solo from my heart will go on or you know whatever it is and there are so many things that are so meaningful to people and if you are not it's like an inside joke you know like if you're in on the joke then it's hilarious and if you're not in on the joke you just sit there and you're like what is wrong with you people um and and it's so you're saying you're saying the first dance being i still haven't found what i'm looking for is not necessarily a red flag um I I mean I am not a psychologist, but there might be some underlying subtext there. That that would be one of those moments where I go, huh? Like mm-hmm. years. I mean, not so much now, but there was a period of time where blurred lines was playing at every wedding reception. <laughs> and it's like, mm, this is uh, ooh, oh. this is deeply uncomfortable oh, wow. for everyone. Yeah. Oh no, yeah. the bride's father should not be dancing with her to this song. No, no, no. <laughs> but it's just a fucking beat stolen You're from Marvin Gaye. Yeah. Yeah, she said, "Thank right. you, Marvin Gaye." <laughs> oh. Yeah. Wow. So what's your favorite part about this job? I think I know the answer, but. Honestly, I like getting to be bossy. Um, That's all. Awesome. <laughs> okay, I don't know the answer. Yeah, no, surprise, um... a surprise twist. No, I, there are a lot of people who work in the wedding industry who are like, I just love love so much. And of course I do. You know, love is a many splendid thing. It lifts us up where we belong. All you need is love, right? But, but I am far more um, fascinated by the dynamics that go into weddings than I am by just this concept of love looks so different in all the ways, right? Um, And frankly, I am a type A control freak. And this lets me exercise that in a way that is healthy and does not frustrate my family and friends. Um, I can I can uh, turn the power of my sheer intimidating tenacity on the lives of other people, and they are relieved that it is not directed at them in that moment. For more information on all the various things that Caroline offers, and to read her blog, which is a really nice wedding blog with a ton of good advice, check out her website. It is aprofessionalbridesmaid.com. For more Y content, including behind the scenes, additional photos and video, as well as outtakes, visit whythepodcast.com. And please leave us a review on iTunes. It'll help other folks find us and join our cult. The more cult members you bring in, the better your seat will be on the mothership. Oh, and don't forget to follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and even LinkedIn.
Today's show was produced by myself and Heidi Hedquist, our reluctant executive producers are John Sove and Sandy Stone. Our graphic designer is Samantha Mustonen. Our intern is Randy Jeanette. The theme song was performed by the Electrosynthno Magnetic Polyphonic Orchestra. This one's for Philippe. Thanks for joining us. Flash, we're coming home. Nigel, is that you? Are you here, Nigel?